1: Episode 66 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How
2: you do. To
1: kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Anne-Marie Gallucci.
2: Illa Silaka.
1: Christian Hill. Courtney Conway. Monique Romero.
2: Morgan Margaret.
1: Jolene Allison.
2: Lucy Evans. Diana. Shauna Feeney.
1: Shelby Avery.
2: Morgan Blake. Catherine. Lacey Albright.
1: Nikita Saunders.
2: Rhiannon Le Fay. Chelsea. Danielle Francis-Jones. Austin Erickson. And Luke New. Thank you so much. Oh my God, we did it. We actually did it. We I didn't... even got Ila Salaka, <laughs> which I can't do now. I even got Ila Salaka, right?
1: I actually, you know that nervousness you get when you're playing video games and you nearly finish a level and yeah. you're so... That, I just got that feeling. Oh of way. like, oh my God, we're nearly at the end. Don't do you know what it is, now. don't you? Why?
2: Because it's episode 66. Oh, is that why? Yeah, 66 is a good number, isn't
1: it? Why is 66 a good number? It's
2: the only year that England never won the World Cup. (laughs) Oh, I see. Sorry, I can't believe I didn't
1: immediately get that. Uh, So thank you for being our Patreon subscribers. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we really do. Are you ready for our film review this week? Yes. Our film review is When the Lights Went Out. When the Lights Went Out was released in 2012. It has 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb. And 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis?
2: Give me that synopsis. Yorkshire, 1974.
1: Say the... it. <laughs> I was being really dramatic there and you ruined sorry, it. Sorry. Let's, let, can I try that again, yeah, please? Yeah,
2: I'll be quiet this time. Yorkshire,
1: 1974. The Maynard family moves into their dream home. It's a dream that quickly descends into a panic stricken nightmare as the family discovers a horrifying truth. A truth that will make the history books. The house is already occupied by the most violent poltergeist ever documented. A poltergeist that will tear you from your bed as you sleep and drag you helplessly into the darkness. As the attacks on the family become increasingly violent and terrifying it becomes clear that the exorcism of the poltergeist will be their only chance for survival. Two separate exorcisms are attempted the consequences of which are
2: disastrous
1: i feel like that synopsis was better than the fucking film
2: no the film wasn't that bad yeah wasn't great though was it no but it was like i feel like this film where so many of the films we talk about are oh you know the story would be would have been quite good but the acting was rubbish i actually feel like the acting was pretty good on this as so the storyline was a bit lame
1: it had some um quite well known like british tv actors yeah. like i was i was impressed with the lineup
2: i have to say I thought they did quite a good job of it, to be honest. I thought
1: the beginning was really good, but it completely fell to pieces at the end. Like it got, it, it went into the realm of fucking ridiculous at the end.
2: It just wasn't very scary. Yeah, no. I felt like I was watching like a, like a five in the afternoon family film. Yeah, like, you know, it One was of those a little documentary bit. movies where it's just like, this happened and we're not going to show you the violence because this is a family time movie, so we're not going to scare you, but this happened. It was that kind of thing
1: it wasn't the scariest horror film we've watched although I feel like I am getting a bit immune now because I'm a bit like oh I know what's going to happen here we all get it we know what's going to happen I think we've had a bad
2: run though I think if we get a good one again you're going to be scared
1: yeah I hope so because that's kind of the point really isn't it
2: we should go and see the remake of The Grudge eh
1: I'm actually a little. the fact that you even said that (laughs) is making me feel sick the most terrifying thing about this film for me was the fact that in the 70s people thought this kind of decor was acceptable I have to say they're very true to the time period. Like it's, it's. I mean, the decoration of the house is hideous. If I was a poltergeist, I would be destroying that house as well because I'd be thinking the lack of taste universally in the seventies was a sight to behold.
2: Do you think they just feel like they've come, rather than come back to their world, they've gone to another planet and actually all this acting up is them just rebelling against the fact that they think they're not where they're supposed to be. Because it must be really different to go from like a monastery to 70s green, orange and brown decorations.
1: Yeah, because the, the, the ghost that haunts this house is apparently the ghost of a long, long lost monk. Long lost? Long lost monk. <laughs> long lost monk. And he is attached to the little girl and like wants to kill her or something. I don't know, I got a bit lost. And, well, I didn't get lost. I just, it got a bit shite. Um, and I, you know, if I was that monk, I'd probably rather still be in a monastery than be looking at brown and orange floral patterns on the walls. So I can understand why he tried to rip the place apart. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. I'm actually, this is probably the one film where I've ever sided with the paranormal entity and gone, I get you. Don't try and kill the little girl. I'm not down with that. But I am down with destroying the house for the sake of the the terrible decorations alone.
2: That Would be all well and good, except the poltergeist activity was actually coming from the little girl.
1: Okay, there was also a little girl ghost, I forgot to mention that. Yeah.
2: I think overall, this wasn't that bad because actually the acting was pretty good. The child, child children actors, child actors, yeah, were child actually actors. all pretty good. I thought, yeah, they were, they were like, definitely like, mate, teenagers, yeah. Her little mate and the uh, the other girl, the main girl, they were pretty. I thought they were pretty good. I thought there were elements the of the main cast film... were good
1: that were really funny too there yeah. was lots of really funny one liners um they bring a priest in to do an exorcism and they bribe him into doing it by taking pictures of him having sex with his housekeeper yep. and now i'm not i don't know that much about exorcisms
2: I was gonna but say, i don't know that much about having sex with the housekeeper but that too
1: <laughs> but i feel like if somebody's going to exorcise your house i'd rather it not be a priest who is clearly riddled with the christian idea of sin just seems a bit pointless. Seems a bit redundant. I wouldn't maybe trust him.
2: That maybe that was a plot development. In that, if they brought a priest in, why hasn't it gone? Because it's still there.
1: Yeah, because I'd be like, well, this is a bit of a shy priest, yeah, but that's really. Why isn't they, it?
2: That's why they. That's why they did it. I don't think there was any evidence they had anything on the priest. I think that's just a bit of an embellishment, surely.
1: But the priest was like funny.
2: Yeah, the priest was funny.
1: I enjoyed the priest in terms of his humour, and there were bits the of it where was Not funny though. He was a. Oh no, he, he, he was just came across serious. like a. Like a bellend. <laughs> You're only saying he looked like a paedophile because of what he looks like, and that is a very unfair assumption to make about another human being.
2: <laughs> and the way that he just kept doing like creepy things, like creeping, he was creeping all the way through the film. He,
1: yeah, he was creeping, but I wouldn't have referred to him as a paedophile. Okay, I think that's so he's very a creep unfair. Then. Creep, creep is better. Okay, he's creep, a creep is better. He's
2: a creepy man.
1: But he also was a very, a very stern man. Had a bit of an attitude problem. Yep. I, I wasn't down with that they have um, i'd
2: imagine though it's a bit like how you'd treat like people with ghosts if you were like a well-known paranormal investigator ghosts.
1: yeah i'm unlikely to be a well-known paranormal investigator because i would i don't i don't think people would take me very kindly okay. if i went into their house and i said a your decor shite <laughs> <laughs> so is it any wonder you've got a poltergeist and b have you heard of mental health issues before don't think people would take too kindly to that, would they?
2: No, but I do feel like if you were actually a proper ghost hunter and you knew you could get rid of ghosts, you'd have this kind of attitude.
1: That's unfair. Well, what a creep. Like,
2: you got ghost. I can deal with that. And then you'd, like, air kiss. Like Why that. would I do that? <laughs> I don't know. That seems like a bizarre... That seems very out of character for me as well.
1: Fundamentally...
2: It's an okay film.
1: It's an okay film. But it's also... I mean, the ending is absolutely awful.
2: I can't even remember it.
1: The ending was where the little girl goes, saved the girl. Sorry, I've just ruined the ending, but hello, I've ruined your ending.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, when she, like, turned into Mum Ra from ThunderCats. Ah!
1: I have to say as well I don't think anybody's going to find this film because I, I oh, bought yeah. it I rented it on Vimeo in order to be able to watch it and it I would not it must have
2: been like a Sky movie or something wasn't it like a TV yeah because they yeah. did
1: Sky went through a phase so Sky is a TV channel in our um, in this side of the world
2: yeah
1: and they went through a phase I remember they did a TV movie of the Enfield Haunting like yeah. a dramatisation series that's you it I yes. probably quite good that was I remember watching it and it wasn't bad so I wonder if they went through a phase of doing sort of famous haunting films. Because I think it was around 2012 they did yeah, the it was. Enfield Haunting one as well. Yeah. It's a TV movie with a TV movie budget. I, I wasn't that enamoured with the whole thing. What what mark would you give it
2: out of five? Um, I think two and a half out of five is fair.
1: I think I was going to say two out of five, actually. I think in terms of its production value, like being true to the time period, it had good actors. Mm. There were funny moments, but the the fact the, the actual art of being a horror film...
2: It, it just—it didn't really have the scares in it. I was just more intrigued to see what was going to happen. It was like a, uh, like a character story almost.
1: Yeah, it was a bit like a character really story. It wasn't really about
2: the ghost. It was about
1: it's about their survival of the ghost yeah. and then their experience of it. But the interesting thing about this film, yes, is that it's based on a true story.
2: I was going to say no, but I—I I knew that because yeah, I know you knew that start. already. Yeah,
1: it is a story of the Black Monk of Pontefract. Which is a really famous British paranormal story. Probably as famous as The Enfield Haunting, to be fair.
2: I'd say it's out there on a par for sure.
1: I've had countless messages from people asking us to cover this. So when I decided that we were going to do it this week, I had to watch the film. Because I, I felt like, you know, it would be ridiculous not to watch the film when we were talking about the story. And I had to rent it on Vimeo. And I don't know why, but I feel quite upset about that. £3.99 well, I Well, that's spent quite high for rental fees, Renting,
2: well. renting three, that. Most movies are £3.49 on Amazon.
1: £3.99 on Vimeo. I could wow. not get the bloody thing anywhere else. So we're going to talk about The Black Monk of Pontefract today. I bet
2: it's in the 50p movie section.
1: Are you ready? Yes. My research today comes from Mysterious Universe. Thank you to Brent Swanser for creating such a detailed, gorgeous analysis of this story. Are you ready? Yes.
0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Because this gets serious. How serious? Pretty serious. Mmm,
2: okay.
1: Hauntings and poltergeist activity are nothing new. And the lore of paranormal research... Holds countless examples. Yet every once in a while, a case will truly bubble up from the rest to present an extremely strange and strong account. Lying within England is an unassuming, normal looking house, which nevertheless has managed to go on to accrue a reputation as one of the most haunted locations in the nation. Here, at this abode, We have a rather volatile, frightening and violent entity that has come to be known as the Black Monk. The year was 1966 and a family consisting of Jean and Joe Pritchard and their two children Philip 15 and Diane 12 moved into a quiet house on 30 East Drive in Pontefract, West Yorkshire, England. It was not long after they had settled in that strange things began to happen around the home starting as these things tend to rather innocently enough. The first main incident started on September the 1st 1966 when the son Philip was staying at the home with his grandmother Sarah Scholes and the rest of the family were away on a trip to Devon. On that day they felt a strange gust of cold wind pass through the house despite the summer heat. Shortly after they witnessed what seemed to be a white powder or mist snowing down from the ceiling as the sound of footsteps echoed from above. When they went to investigate, along with Scold's sister, Marie Kelly, they were found to be inexplicable pools of water spreading across the floor of the kitchen. And even as they stared at this new development, that bumping noise continued from the next floor up and the dust continued to rain down upon them. At the time, it was thought that the water was merely the result of a broken pipe, and a repairman from the water company was called in to take a look. However, after a thorough investigation of the kitchen, there was found to be no sign of anything amiss, and the repairman had no idea of where the water could be coming from, even as it seemed to pool up even more as he was there. The pools would eventually stop, but everyone present was left completely baffled as to what was going on. Later that same evening the pools began to form again from nowhere and this time the phenomenon was joined by a violent, jolting, rattling of various cutlery and pots and pans around the kitchen. In addition to this the whole area was sprayed with tea as some unseen force repeatedly depressed the button on the tea dispenser with great force and increasing speed. The cupboards and furniture of the kitchen also began to vibrate and move about without explanation or apparent cause. This was all followed by a thunderous bang from the outside hallway. But when they looked to see what it could be, nothing was there, even though the hallway light began to turn on and off by itself as they watched it. It was further noticed that a plant that was normally positioned at the foot of the stairs was now inexplicably sitting at the top of the stairs, and neither of them had moved it. As they examined the hall, the crockery and cupboards in the kitchen began to vibrate again, with greater vigour, and Kelly was once again brought over to observe the frightening show for herself. The activity once again died down, but when a heavy chest of drawers began to sway on its own volition later that night, both Philip and his grandmother packed a few things and headed to a neighbour's house for the night, terrified of what was going on. Interestingly, By the time the rest of the family returned from their trip the strange phenomena seemed to have stopped. At this time they all thought that there had to be some normal explanation for what had happened, especially as there were no further disturbances. Indeed it would not be for another two years that anything else out of the ordinary would happen on the premises, but when it did, it did so with a vengeance. The long period of silence made it all the more shocking when pools of water started forming again all over the house. Furniture was moved or rattled on its own. Odd green foam would seep out of water taps. Loud thuds and bangs would sound out from all over the house. Doors would slam open or shut by themselves. And more ominously, family portraits and furniture would be found demolished or slashed and disfigured as with a knife. There were also unidentified sickening odours that would waft through the home, as well as anomalous noises including heavy breathing and oddly, the sound of barnyard animals. Such things happened nearly every day and it became so commonplace that the family took to calling the invisible entity Fred, putting an innocuous nickname to the faceless and gradually threatening intruder. All of this steadily graduated in intensity, and things being smashed or broken by unseen hands or objects flying across the room even in the presence of guests. Indeed, whenever people came over, the phenomena seemed to actually get worse and more violent, and this apparently even happened in the presence of local police officers and the town vicar, leaving everyone dumbfounded and authorities unable to find any rational explanation. In particular, Diane seemed to be targeted, often waking up to the sound of heavy breathing or undefined voices in her ears, and there were times when she was allegedly downright physically assaulted by the entity, such as being pushed, having her hair pulled, and even on several occasions being dragged across the room. The entity was not above lashing out at others as well, and reports of being held down, pushed, slapped, or punched by the spectre were common even from people that were just visiting. The phenomena seemed to work in cycles, with times when this would happen on a daily basis interspersed with long absences, sometimes for weeks at a time. But return it always did. In the face of the escalating malevolent activity, the Pritchard family reached out to the church for help, and there were even several exorcisms performed on the house, all of which seemed to make the spirit angrier. During these attempted exorcisms crucifixes were supposedly knocked out of the hands or smashed to pieces and inverted crosses were sometimes found painted or scrawled upon walls in red and black ink, neither of which were kept in the house. In one particularly frightening incident an invisible force picked up a candlestick and held it in front of the priest's face, which was enough to send the man of the cloth running away never to come back. In addition to this The malicious spirit began to make itself known and visible as a full apparition. At first these visitations took the form of Jean and Joe waking in the middle of the night to see a dark shape standing at the foot of their bed staring at them, which would then blink out of existence. On another occasion Joe claimed to have awoken to see a figure in flowing black robes hovering above his bed. This strange entity was more often than not described this way, as dressed in black robes, with a hood covering his face not unlike what a medieval monk might wear and which would earn the wraith the nickname the Black Monk Before long the Black Monk was seen lurking about by everyone in the family and was even claimed to have been spotted prowling the property by neighbours and other locals To make it all even creepier the phantom would sometimes change things up by appearing wearing women's fur gloves Through this all, it seemed to still have it in for the daughter, Diane, and its attacks on her grew in ferocity. The girl would sometimes wake up with scratches and bruises on her body, or be completely thrown from her bed, and, on at least one occasion, was actively choked and slapped around by unseen forces in full view of witnesses who were often themselves not immune to these outbursts. Perhaps the scariest incident happened. When Diane's hair was seen to stand up as if someone were pulling and yanking on it, after which the girl was forcibly dragged up the stairs screaming. The Desperate Family had paranormal investigators called in, and some interesting things were found out about the history of the land the house sat upon. For instance, investigator Tom Caniff found that not only had the area once been the site of a battle, but also that it had once been used as the town gallows and that hundreds of people had been executed here. In particular, there was supposedly a monk who met his end by hanging here after being found guilty of raping and murdering a young girl around Diane's age back in the 16th century and Kniff believed that this was the spirit haunting the home. Strangely, despite all of the intense paranormal activity that permeated this home, It would all one day suddenly stop, just as abruptly as it had started. The weeks would go on, with the family bracing for the black monk to rear his sinister head yet again, but it was completely quiet for no apparent reason, as if he had just gotten bored and stopped. The Pritchards would nevertheless eventually move out, and the house would go on to be a popular destination for paranormal investigators several of whom would apparently uncover the fact that indeed the Black Monk was still around and as active as ever, perhaps perturbed by new trespassers to his domain. A very well-known and harrowing investigation of the premises was carried out by seasoned paranormal researchers Nick Groff and Katrina Wideman of the TV series Paranormal Lockdown, who recklessly decided to actually spend a few days locked up inside of the home. And almost as soon as the doors closed, there were reportedly strange goings on. It started with a sense of indefinable dread and a door being slammed shut almost immediately, which could have been attributed to a draft if it weren't for what would transpire over the next 100 hours. Groff would say of his initial impression of the house. Right when we stepped onto the property, it felt different. There's an energy about it. When you take a step into that location, it's haunting, it really is. Without anything really even occurring, you just feel it. You feel the energy, and the sense that something is there lurking in the shadows. They would go on to be woken by slamming or banging noises in the house. And the next day, they actually reached out to the entity, called it Fred, and asked if it would move a ball. Sure enough, the ball began rolling across the floor of its own volition. It all almost seemed rather playful at first. But then things started to get knocked off stands, thrown across the room or broken, and a clock dropped off the wall. When Groff reached out to ask the spirit, do you need a lot of energy to move things? It was captured in an EVP recording saying in Latin, desperata, which means hopeless. On top of this, whenever the team asked the entity something, it would remain silent. But the room temperature would drop dramatically. In addition, a shadowy figure was allegedly filmed moving across the room, and the nighttime noises occurred with increased amplification. To make it all even more menacing, a knife was inexplicably left on the stairs, and the crew began to complain of being pushed or shoved by something, with the co host Katrina actually claiming to have been held in place, attacked, and scratched. Groff would say, We've captured this solid figure moving past one of the doors, things moving on their own. My co-host Katrina she got scratched to at one point so it got really scary as it escalated through our investigation of a hundred hours. When I was living there for a hundred hours there were moments when I was terrified, like when I was sleeping and I was in a really deep sleep and anybody, I don't care how strong you are or how big you are, you will be startled in the darkness and you're all alone. And something bangs really loudly in the room and the door opens on its own and you see an apparition you're going to get startled other researchers have had similarly bizarre experiences on the property with numerous instances of ghosts voice caught on tape and quite a few pieces of photographic evidence as well many of these investigators have expressed shock at the sheer magnitude of sinister paranormal activity at the residence with some even claiming That they actually feared for their lives while they were there and the black monk has earned a reputation for being one of the most violent and evil poltergeists around another pair of investigators from the tv show ghost dimension said when we arrived at the house i'd been so excited to finally be filming at 30 east drive i'd heard so many stories about what went on here through the 60s and so many photos of monk-like figures We have never experienced so many paranormal happenings going on in one place in such quick succession. The house itself was purchased by a man named Philip Pritchard and later sold to the British advertiser and film producer Bill Bungay who turned it into a sort of macabre tourist destination. He would later have the story made into the 2012 horror film When the Lights Go Out directed by Pat Holden which is loosely based on the real events. The film crew apparently had quite a few paranormal experiences making the movie which was supposedly partly filmed on location and to this day it has remained a hotspot for debate, discussion and investigation. There have of course been plenty of allegations that this was a hoax or a publicity stunt and that there was never any haunting at all, however this ignores the fact that the whole town knew of this haunting and it was witnessed by numerous people including neighbours, friends, police officers and at least two priests. So concentrated was the haunting and so violent that the case of the black monk of Pontefract has gone on to become one of the most well documented and aggressive hauntings England has ever seen with the house this day said to be ground zero for all manner of strange happenings. Whatever is going on here, be that an expansive hoax or a very angry spirit, the case has never been solved. Ooh. What are your thoughts?
2: Oh, my thought is I want to see that paranormal lockdown episode because I like paranormal lockdown. I haven't seen them go there. So that'd be interesting. I'll have to have a look at that at some point.
1: Very interestingly, when I was researching this episode, there was so much stuff on Reddit about 30 East Drive. And I was like, oh, amazing. Like there's going to be a gold mine. And if you Google... The Black Monk of Pontefract. Like you can see all the photos that have been taken by investigators over the years. And some of them are pretty convincing.
2: Yeah, that one that you showed me of the cloak and the hand.
1: Yeah, some of them are pretty convincing. But we're going to talk about that in a second. Okay. Most Haunted did an episode in 30 East Drive many moons ago. So Most Haunted. Is that
2: pre pre Derek Cora leaving?
1: I don't know if it was pre or post Derek Cora leaving, but. There is a really famous clip from Most Haunted. Um, So Most Haunted, we've spoken about it before, was an English TV show back in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, still going. And it was, uh, is a like paranormal investigating team who go into various haunted places, whatever. There's a really famous clip that was not aired or removed from air because of the backlash that they received for it. Okay. And it was when they did an episode in 30 East Drive. Right. And in the episode, you know Carl, who's one of the investigators? Yep. Is stood on the stairs in 30 East Drive. And he gets forcibly dragged backwards and around the corner. Which is all very convincing until you see that he has a rope tied around his waist. (laughs) You can look up that clip. It's amazing. And obviously (laughs) their credibility was completely shot, understandably. Yeah. And stuff like that makes me think... I think there's very limited legitimacy to a lot of those paranormal investigating programs and I left the bit about Nick Roth in there because I know you, you quite enjoy paranormal lockdown but I think if you're going somewhere with the intention and with the belief that you're going to capture something or see something or hear something then you're kind of going to see something that isn't there or you might necessarily accredit sounds to something that isn't there. I just think it's...
2: Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's TV, isn't it? Like, we know how boring it is because that paranormal monk on YouTube who does it properly, and you know how boring it is. (laughs) Nothing happens for hours. It's like
1: hours and hours and hours of nothing. Yeah. So I find it really interesting with this story that there was, like, huge activity for a couple of days and then nothing. And then suddenly... Like, the the activity stopped inexplicably with this family, apparently. And then suddenly it starts back up again when paranormal investigators come in different people riling them up innit? oh bullshit different people are riling up my
2: whole i thought we were supposed to talk about this you're not supposed to just eliminate me straight away
1: sorry go on <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry continue i've
2: nothing to say no really? joking no joking um it must take a lot of energy to do all those things though right so if it was that...
1: what hoax are haunting yeah it probably does take a lot of energy
2: no, if you were a ghost moving stuff around like a poltergeist. Yeah. You were dragging someone up the stairs. If you're constantly doing stuff for two days full on, that's going to take it out of is isn't it, at the end of the day? Maybe just went on holiday for a bit.
1: So do you think that the monk did things in these mad bursts and then fucked off to Hawaii for a year to kind of recoup no, back Went back again? to the
2: monastery, isn't it, to do some praying.
1: Back, back to the monastery to do some praying. I yep. mean, if that monk is genuinely who they thought he was, yep. probably not praying he was going to be doing, was it?
2: Well, maybe a
1: little bit of murder on the side. Well, maybe,
2: no, maybe he regrets his actions. Maybe he's like stuck in purgatory forever. Makes you think about things, doesn't it? If so, you're stuck in purgatory. <laughs> so
1: purgatory is a house in Yorkshire.
2: Yeah, but you saw the wallpaper.
1: That is true. I mean, that was <laughs> if that if that's purgatory, I'd rather go to hell. To be honest, um, I just think it's I think it's a an interesting story, but I do think it's a big crock of shit.
2: Well, it could. there could be something to it with the papers and stuff, couldn't there? Like there was for the Enfield thing. It made him a bit of money. There it, it could be money to it. But then I tend to think, like, there has to be an, something that happens. Like, it can't, they wouldn't just, like, do you remember in the movie? Like, I know the movie's not, like, uh, factually accurate, as it quite rightly said at the end. It's kind of loosely based on it. Yeah. But if you remember, like, the, the reporter was having none of it, were they? Yeah, they and weren't interested. something happened to him. So there must be some. There must be an element of something going on, in order for it to get past that point of disbelief. Disbelief, yeah.
1: But the the bit that got me about this whole story was the the black monk randomly appearing sometimes in women's gloves.
2: Well, that might just be their intent. But that might be a, a a modern interpretation of something that something that potentially potentially wasn't gender think, specific.
1: I didn't think ghosts changed outfits. I thought that was like a, maybe, maybe that's just my limited knowledge of ghosts. And that's I why kind we of...
2: still haven't seen that show suit ghost because they never wear them out in public. That's what it is. They get changed before they mm. appear.
1: Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I just think it's a very.
2: Maybe all these like Victorian ghosts are actually just modern ghosts putting on costumes.
1: Oh, that's, that's mad.
2: Imagine. <laughs>
1: I think we should go to 30 East Drive genuinely you can go and do it as a ghost tour now
2: yeah maybe not
1: i'm gonna well i'm gonna book us in okay and we're gonna go i always say this when i'm like i think we should go to this place i don't really want to go and then with work and life we're like oh wait we can't do any of these things but we will be soon able to do these things i find like and this is one of those stories that's so built up and it's like it's so extreme in in the realm of hauntings in general that I'd imagine when you go in there, like you know when, when ghost hunters and whatever and they talk about like that inexplicable sense of dread that they feel. I've told you this story so I'm sorry but I stayed in a stately home last weekend and the guy was like talking us through staying in the stately home and whatever, whatever. And then he said, okay, have you got any questions? And I and I went, is it haunted? And he said, oh, is it a problem if it is? And I was like, yes, there's a story here. So he was he was telling me that the, the stately home was haunted and that so he'd been renovating it for years and he'd finished renovating it and he was um renting out on Airbnb and had been for a very long time and whatever and he also rents out the place for the BBC to do some filming and he said oh there was a a guy who owned the estate he was a gambler lost all his money hung himself in the well under the kitchen and the wife hated him so much that she just bricked over the well rather than retrieving his body and he was like oh he haunts the back bedroom. And he, his, so does his dog. So we had a dog. And sometimes you can hear the dog scratching at nighttime, And you can see scratch marks in in the floor that appear overnight and whatever. And obviously, dickhead here was like, I called that room. So I slept in the haunted room with my friend, Rowanna. And I was fine about it. Like, I, you know, the house didn't freak me out. It didn't bother me. Like, whatever. It, I was fine. Until we went to bed. <laughs> and Rowanna was asleep within about three minutes well how did that feel (laughs) yeah it didn't feel great like i did i did get an insight into your world she was asleep in about three minutes and i was lying in this darkened room and i think it's kind of it's it's embarrassing as an adult to have to say to your friend can we sleep with the light on because i'm frightened you know but i was shitting myself (laughs) because the guy had said that the ghost manifests at night time he appears to people and people often wake up with him standing over them stroking their face And I was literally lying in bed with the duvet over my head being like, oh my God, what if I open my eyes and he is standing there? Or what if I feel somebody stroke my face? And the fear that I felt... Which is not really like me with stuff like this. Like even when we watch scary films. Or I'm like asleep within five minutes. Like that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. But something about being maybe outside of my comfort zone. Or being in a room that I didn't know. And this guy told me this story so flippantly. And he had said that the activity was so bad. One one particular time when guests stayed over. That they actually left. And they left because of the ghost activity. But I actually felt sick with fear that night. And it took me so long to go to sleep. Because I was like oh my god what if i see him oh my god what if he strokes my face what if i hear the dog in the bathroom blah 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 and what's worse is the bathroom that was attached to my bedroom had a fucking mystery crawl space
2: yeah that's creepy why
1: my point is is that when you enter into those situations so you walk into that house having already known all of the stories of stuff that have apparently happened there like all these really extreme manifestations it does manifest inside you as fear. So when people say they get those like inexplicable feelings of dread, well, it is explicable. Because you've gone into a haunted house, willingly, yeah. looking for ghosts.
2: So it, is, it would be in that case, but it's not always, is it? Because we know there's, there's some times you have that sense and you, there's no reason for it. Like...
1: Infrasound. There's a word we haven't said in a while. No. Infrasound causes anxiety and a feeling of sickness
2: yeah but not always
1: not always but i'm just saying yeah, will just if you're saying. listening <laughs> you'd be proud of me babe but you were saying it happens sometimes not all the time
2: oh yeah no, i've got a question for you yeah so you said you're quite scared because you knew about the ghost yeah. but would you have been more or less scared if when you'd ask whether he was haunted would he said is that a problem if it is and then you said why and he just went you'll see and then walked off would you be more or less scared less scared okay so it was, I, the, it was the information. It was
1: the information that, because that, I was so convinced that this ghost was going to stroke my face.
2: See, it would scare me more if you gave me less information.
1: Do you think, see, no, I feel...
2: Because I, my, I obviously I'd be freaked out regardless because all this kind of stuff scares me and it doesn't take a lot to scare me. But my, my my logic says that if you're telling me about a ghost, there's a strong chance that this is just a story that you're telling me. If you've got something that's really strong going on in your house... You don't need to tell anybody what it is. It yeah, just I guess. Happen. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So if you're confident, if you're confident enough in your own story to just go, you'll see, and just walk off, I'd be like, I'm off. Nope, out by it. And later. I'm
1: packing my bags. <laughs> Thanks for the welcome, man. We'll yep. be off.
2: Yep, absolutely. That would scare me far more, far more. I mean, I'd be scared anyway. Probably wouldn't even need to be haunted, really. I'd just be scared. It's not my own house. <laughs> There's people I don't know that well. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> social anxiety yeah. oh but, but going back to the monk right i know you've disproved it and you don't like it but if you think about it right, i haven't
1: disproved it i just i'm not entirely sure about how much of it i believe
2: okay well you don't like it as a story no but if um if it was a true story right if if you think about energies and about what what causes right? if it if it was true if you thought about what the kind of things that might cause like negative energy or cause enough trauma to stay on this plane when you're dead. Uh, a religious man being hung for murder, that's a lot of bad and energy. And rape, that's a lot of bad yeah. energy. And bad vibes. Bad vibes. So you could like there is a sort of like counter logical, if that's the right phrase, explanation for it as well. Like you could almost like that, that in itself, if there's there's historical evidence of that monk, right?
1: Well, They say there's historical evidence, but I don't know.
2: Have you been to Pontefract Library?
1: Yes, I have. I went today. I actually wasn't in work today. I was in. I traveled to Pontefract to go to the library and I've lost my job. But more importantly, (laughs) I found out that the monk isn't real. Okay,
2: But if, uh, yeah. No, I see what you're saying. That's the kind of thing, isn't it? That would be like mega bad vibes
1: yeah I mean if you're going to have bad vibes about anything rape and murder and a holy man committing it and somebody and who's meant murdered to be again. and then being hanged yeah. and like that's mad
2: because not only are you getting the disgrace of not only are you getting the bad energy from the rape and the murder but you're getting the bad energy from supposed to be in a committed holy man being publicly disgraced and being killed yeah that's a lot of
1: that's a lot of bad bad vibes
2: I was gonna say juju but that's magic isn't it
1: I was gonna say bad juju too but, not right but though, then in my head I went bad voodoo and I was like oh that's also not the right thing
2: <laughs> but like yeah so you could you could almost explain it in that way couldn't you like if that was actually a thing like I know you've been to the library today and you've disproved it but
1: yeah I did lose my job so yeah. I hope you're happy <laughs> yeah well because I knew you'd ask this question and, and you know I took podcast, that risk.
2: podcast over everything <laughs> Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I'm a little bit uneasy about the thought of going, to be honest with you. I know you're probably unlikely to get yourself organised for us to go. But... How dare you? <laughs> and I'm not I'm not going to proactively go about organising How dare this, you so... <laughs> say those wild things? Mm.
1: Would you like some reviews?
2: Yes, please.
1: We've got three brand new reviews. Okay. Why am I speaking in that voice?
2: I don't know, but weird. I quite liked it.
1: And our first review comes from Lycan one four three, who said, Just got on board. Absolutely love your content. There's a there's truly creepy stories, insightful discussion, and hilarious moments in every episode. I am addicted. And we're addicted to you, Lycan. We love you.
2: <laughs> That's really creepy. Oh, well, it was, that was that, that wasn't meant to be really and creepy. We're addicted to you. Oh
1: no. The second Review comes from Illiteracy22. <laughs>
2: it's managed to write a review. I know, it's impressive. <laughs> it's impressive.
1: And the review is entitled Best Show. I just love this podcast. I've binged it since first finding it and I keep going back to listening listening to older episodes. It's just that good. Why, thank you, Illiteracy.
2: Well done for jumping on the binge life, hashtag.
1: And our next review is from Laurie3335 and her review is entitled Hashtag Binged.
0: Hey. Yeah.
1: I love this podcast. I binged all the episodes and I could not get enough. I love the hosts and the stories. I cannot wait for more. And I was going to say, in my head, I was going to say we cannot wait for more than more wow. of you, Laurie. Oh, and man, then I was like Fucking hell, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me today? Like I'm not even that's not even me trying to be funny. That's just my brain working <laughs> slowly. Uh yeah, in creep zone, I'm like yeah. that man
2: from the film. Yep. You've got his glasses on. <laughs>
1: Don't you mock my glasses? so if you enjoyed this week's episode which i'm absolutely convinced that you did i can feel it i can feel those vibes
2: that was an agony on voice
1: i don't know what's with my voice today i keep doing different voices and i'm not entirely sure why
2: when you start slipping into different accents and i'll stop you okay? yeah just be like please please stop <laughs> it that accent
1: is indecipherable <laughs> we would like to thank um the gorgeous hattie first of all for sending us the most the cutest gift you've ever seen today she sent us matching cups matching like coffee mugs and they're they're adorable and we love them i'm a nerd though dan is a nerd and we love them hattie thank you thank you and you can find us on instagram i'm on instagram at real life ghost stories dan is on instagram
2: at 50p movie club
1: we are on twitter
2: at real ghost pod
1: you can send us in your stories to real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com you can find us on facebook like our facebook page real life ghost stories and join our super secret facebook group which is rlgs Supergroup. and the password is dan and emma if you enjoyed the content of this week's episode and you want more and you your think voice? i don't know <laughs> okay I don't I think I'm actually delirious. <laughs> Maybe I'm possessed. Maybe I'm possessed. Oh. oh god. And you think you want to hear more episodes on a weekly basis, you can do that by donating to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for five dollars a month you get an extra weekly episode, and for two dollars a month you get the complete back catalogue of Fifty P Movie Club, which is
2: uh it's my podcast that i do with will last year and dave Keane this year where we watch 50P movies that are normally quite bad and talk about them i'd also like to say that with our patreon i don't know what tier because i don't have anything to do with it but one of the tiers maybe both the tiers you get ad-free copies of ad-free ad-free versions of our main episodes as well
1: yes you do on that note <laughs> we shall see you next week when maybe i will have my real voice back bye